0: Let's Fix Work is brought to you by WorkHuman, the HR event you don't want to miss. Visit WorkHuman.com and learn more today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. I'm Lori Rudiman. Today's guest is author, speaker, and coach, Katherine Solman. In her new book, Ambition Redefined, Catherine encourages independence from lean in and break the glass ceiling language. She wants you to find your own brand of ambition and success, take advantage of today's more flexible workplace, and chart alternative career paths that accommodate and fund the life that you want and you deserve. So if you want to find balance but don't know where to start, and if you deal with childcare issues or aging parents and you're sick of the way the rat race doesn't take care of you, sit tight and I'll be right back with Katherine Solman and more Let's Fix Work.
1: Work is broken, and so is the way you think about it. Host Lori Rudiman is picking up the pieces so you can take control of your career, put yourself
0: first, and be your own HR. With the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Lori. Hey, Catherine, welcome to Let's Fix Work. Oh, it's so great to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. You know, Catherine, when I think of you, in my mind, you are an expert in career advice, but I don't want to tell your story for you. Why don't you tell the audience who you are and how you're fixing work? Well, I've been working with women
1: for the last 15 years, and I've been a career coach, I've been a recruiter, I've helped women navigate many stages in and out of the workforce. And what I learned in all this time is that it's really too black and white to say that women are either working or not working. There are lots of shades of gray And so I have tried to help women not starkly either be in the workforce and be chasing after a huge title and promotions and the C-suite, but find more moderate ways to work that blend with life and caregiving. And that's the same for women who are out of the workforce and thinking about getting back in and are afraid to return to what they wanted to leave years ago. I'm trying to show them that things have changed and that there's a lot of flexibility in the workforce now.
0: Yeah, the workforce has definitely changed and you're the author of Ambition Redefined. So tell us a little bit about the book and what we can expect if we pick up a copy at our local Barnes & Noble. Does that exist anymore? It does. Absolutely. Yes. Borders, all those stores. What's Ambition Redefined all about? Well, what I was noticing
1: is that when you talk about women and work, there seems to be a bias that you're only ambitious if you're aiming for the C-suite, if you're only leaning in. And I really took issue with that because I think that there are lots of smart and talented and ambitious women who are looking for a different kind of work paradigm and one that allows them to more capably blend work and life. And the other thing I noticed is that When there are discussions about women at work and when you get to the more emotionally charged discussions like can women have it all, I've really put my stake in the ground and said women should always work and yes, women should do it all because of long-term financial security and all of life's you never knows. I don't mean chasing after the big corporate job. I mean finding some kind of flexible work that fits your life. So what I've done in the book is first talk about all the reasons that women should always work, all of the life you never knows. And then I talk about how to find this flexible work.
0: Well, we live in a society where flexible work has generally been defined by white privileged men in power. And I think we live in a world of side hustles and aggressive entrepreneurship and this dream of the gig economy. So I think that message around side hustles and aggressive entrepreneurship is hurting the workforce. But I wonder what you think about it. And what's the alternative to that? What is ambition really redefined for the working woman? Well, I think
1: that flexible work is coming of age. It's becoming a a much more professional, lucrative option for women and for men. Part-time jobs used to be going down to the local retail chain and getting a part-time job or answering phones in a doctor's office. But today, you can work in a part-time job in a, in a very professional capacity. You can be a freelancer or a consultant and be at the very high levels of an organization working on very important initiatives so it's the idea of a hustle makes it sound like it's less than professional, and you know all the work from home schemes and all that kind of thing. But you know now telecommuting has grown 115 percent in the last decade, and that's executives all the way down to administrative people. So there's a tremendous amount of more stature to working in a flexible way. Do
0: you feel that flexible work, while it can be considered important to an organization, is only considered important at certain levels? Like, Is it really accessible and prestigious enough for enough women that enough women should really think about this as an alternative? Or is it just something that's available to upper-class women?
1: No, I don't, I don't think so at all. I think that if you look at the spectrum of, of work and job titles and compensation, I I really think that flexible work runs across the full spectrum. And so when you talk about white privileged, I mean, there are going to be white privileged people in all of the job categories, but there are also going to be non-white people that hold these jobs who have equal opportunities to have flexible work. The issue comes in when you when you need healthcare, for example. Yeah, yeah. But... You know, now, and I know because of the tight job market now, that lots of employers are offering health benefits as a sweetener, even for part-time people. And that's been going on for a while. I mean, it is a a requirement that companies with 50 or more employees must provide health care to people who work 30 hours or more. I mean, there are a lot of still misconceptions that float around about flexible work, but it really is, I think, possible for people at all income levels to work in a more flexible way and still pay their bills.
0: Well, I love that. I love that message. Can you give us an example of a client who maybe was told to lean into the system for all those years and just couldn't swing it and eventually found that great mix of flexible work, but rewarding work as well. Have you worked with a man or a woman that you'd like to share that story?
1: Yes, I've worked with you know many women in that situation. I'll give you the example of, of one who is forty-one. She's a mother of two young children. She works for a Fortune fifty company. She manages millions of dollars and thousands of people, very high up in the organization. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, would look like a real high flyer who's trying to get to the C suite. And part of her job was traveling abroad at least once a month month. And she was on the plane recently and she said, Oh my God, what am I doing? I can't do this anymore. I have two young children. I never see them. And I don't need this job to validate who I am or that I'm ambitious. And she came to me and she said, look, what else can I do to channel my ambition, my drive? You know, I, I don't want to keep up this corporate you know, rat race, but at the same time, I'm very driven and I want to make an impact and I want to, you know, make good money. And so she's really on her way now to developing her own consultancy. And she will be well-received because she's had this fantastic job. And I'm sure that at a high level for other corporations, she'll be in demand and she'll be able to command top dollar consulting rates.
0: You know, it's so interesting that the example you gave around flexible work is someone who fixed work by fixing themselves and really understanding their values. And so many women of my generation, you know, I'm 43 years old right now, have really decided enough of this, I'm opting out. I'm done with corporate America. But far too many of them, I think, step out of work completely. And you talk about some of the dangers of not working. Can you explain a little bit more some of the risks you take if you're not part of the workforce of today and tomorrow? Sure. I mean, my
1: client did what I would say is the right thing in that she didn't leave the workforce entirely. She tried to think of another option so that she could blend work and life. I think too many women still decide to leave the workforce entirely. And what they usually say is that they're going to leave for a couple of years, get things in order, and then return but a couple of years turns into an average of 12 and that's a very long time to be out of the workforce and the reason they stay out so long is because you know life happens there's always a reason not to go back somebody's starting kindergarten or middle school or high school or you're going through the college application process or somebody's having trouble reading or you know it just goes on and on and on and suddenly it's it's 12 years and 144 paychecks that are not earned saved and invested and a woman gives up an average of four times her salary every year out of the workforce, which is huge. It's very, very hard to recoup. And it's also hard to get back in after the average of 12 years. Not impossible. People do it all the time, but it's a long time to be out.
0: Yeah, those numbers are really fascinating to me because I think women will make, I'm speaking very broadly here, but women will make a sacrifice on behalf of their family and they may take into consideration while my husband's working or my husband's on a career trajectory that's going to benefit us for the next 20 years, but then 12 years passes and life has changed or circumstances have changed. I wonder what the message is for a millennial woman who may be starting a family and is trying to figure out, how to manage work and life and maybe her aging parents and these kids that are coming. What does Ambition Redefined look like for that generation?
1: Well, I would back up even a little bit before the millennials and say that young women, as they are graduating from college and business school and law school, that they are thinking about how they can have flexibility down the road and choosing carefully the jobs that are more likely to have some flexibility. The millennials usually there are at least a few years when you're first married before you have children. Not always, but yeah, um, not my family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> but, yeah, but even if there's a year, yeah. um, you, you know, it's a year that you can spend thinking about how can I transition to more flexible work and not fall into that trap of, oh, I'll just stay out for a couple of years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, Catherine, we're going to take a quick break. And after the break, we're going to talk about how do we broach the topic of work-life balance with a boss? And we're going to talk a little bit more about lean in and can you really say no to more work? So Catherine and everybody else, sit tight, stick around, and we'll be right back with more Let's Fix Work. I'm excited to be back at Work Human this year with keynote speakers like Brene Brown and Gary Hamill. Work Human brings together visionaries, thought leaders, and industry experts to share the latest research and ideas about the most compelling workplace issues. Do you work in HR? Are you a leader of teams? Do you wonder how to align your executive strategy with your people strategy? Well, join me at WorkHuman March 18th through 21st in Nashville, Tennessee. Visit WorkHuman.com and use code WorkHumanLFW for a $100 discount. That's workhuman.com and use code WORKHUMANLFW LFW for a $100 discount. And remember, head on over to workhuman.com and use that code WORKHUMANLFW LFW for a $100 discount today. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Let's Fix Work. I'm Laurie Rudeman and I'm here today with Catherine Salmon, author of Ambition Redefined. Catherine, how you doing? I'm good. Great. Thanks so much for being a good sport and recording the podcast with me. It's been a joy to read your book and get to know you and follow you on the internet. And I find that you're such a brave voice out there. And I wonder, how can other women be brave like you? How can they broach the topic of work life balance with a boss? The real
1: issue when you are looking for flexible work and you want to approach your boss is to make sure that you are doing so in the most professional way possible. I've worked with literally hundreds of women who have told me that they left the workforce because it was absolutely impossible at their companies to work in a flexible way. And when I press them further to describe how they went about asking for flexible work, 99.9% of the time, I find out that they really only lobbed a simple ask for flexibility. So they might be in their boss's office and talking about 20 other things. And then at the end of the conversation, they say, Hey, you know, do you think
0: it would be okay if I work from home on Fridays? Wait, do they use that high-pitched voice too? Does that come with it? (laughs) You know, because I think the tone of the way women ask that is also probably problematic, I would imagine.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they all use that, that <laughs> tone, but it, I think what
0: I'm trying to
1: convey is that it's very casual, very yeah. off the yeah, cuff. I hear
0: you. Yeah. And so there must be a better way. What's that better way?
1: Well, the better way is to create an actual proposal like you would pitch a client. And you have to really cover all the bases and anticipate all the challenges and the obstacles that your boss would put in front of you. So, for example, first you have to really describe what kind of flexibility you're looking for. Lots of women will say, I just want to work in a more flexible way. Well, that could mean a million things. So, you've got to really describe what you're looking to do, and where is work going to get done? Are you proposing that you're going to work at home part of the time or all of the time? And how is the work going to get done? So if you're in a remote location, how are you going to attend meetings or manage people or manage projects? And what communication and project management tools are you going to use? And it's also very important to show that in some way that this flexible schedule would benefit your employer. So for example, if you were to change your hours, could that potentially help your company service clients in other time zones? The last thing is, think about a trial period. It's probably going to take some tweaking. So put that out there that you know, you're know you willing to do it for 3 months and have check-ins and, and all of that.
0: Well, the idea of a pilot is really good. But if we take a step back from that, I think what you've asked women to do is be a little introspective and think about what they really want and what they really need. And that's not necessarily an invitation that many women have had throughout their careers. So I can understand how women are stepping into an office, making a half-hearted request for flexibility and then just bailing on the whole work endeavor because they don't get what they want because they don't really know what they want. And I think about my own career, that was certainly a common theme for me. But one of the other things I believed at the time when I was a younger woman before I left corporate America is that it was impossible, even if I asked in the best of ways to hear yes, I was always going to hear no. So how do you help women overcome that fear of rejection? And is rejection bad? Like if they hear no to a work-life balance request, are they career limited? Well,
1: I think that... The first thing is to really understand the flexible work landscape today. And that's another thing that I've tried to do with my book. Because so many women still believe that there's only one very traditional way to work. There are six different kinds of flexibility today and 80% of companies have some form of flexibility. So when you're starting to feel nervous about asking your boss for flexibility, know that 80% of the time at companies of every shape and size, there's some kind of flexibility and there probably is also flexibility in your own company and it's important for you to know what that is.
0: Wait, wait, can you can you repeat something there are six different kinds of work flexibility? Right. Can you share those with us?
1: Sure. A flexible full-time job is the first one. People think, well, a full-time job by definition is not flexible, but that's not true because you can make it more flexible through schedule and location changes and cutting out a commute a couple of days a week, for example. A part-time job, which I talked about earlier, that are becoming much more professional and much more common even in big corporations... There are full telecommuting jobs now that are advertised from the get-go that you're working remotely, or it could be a, a partial telecommuting job. There are job shares, which are more difficult to put together, but certainly an option if you have someone who you work well with and you have complementary responsibilities. And then there are the more independent options, which are freelance work and usually longer term um, consulting work and setting up your own consulting practice.
0: Yeah, those are more options than I think a lot of women would think from the get go. But one of the concerns that I would imagine many women have, and you touched on this earlier, is that if you work in a part time or flexible way, can you really keep up your standard of living? That's got to be a concern for many working women out there.
1: Well, one of the things you have to do is decide, do I still need a full-time salary and benefits? And if you do, there are many options. I mean, you can still have that full-time job, but one that's more flexible. You could be a full-time freelancer and freelancers within a year. There are studies that say that within a year, most freelancers earn more than they did when they were working full-time. So freelancing or consulting, I mean, we're not talking about low-paying options. These, These can be very competitively priced in terms of compensation.
0: Yeah, I definitely hear that we're not talking about the old temp work that was around when I first entered the workforce. This is a new definition of the world of work. What's the one thing you tell your clients about the future of work and flexible work that surprises them? I
1: think what surprises them the most is that we're moving to a freelance economy. I mean, so many workforce experts are predicting that most people are going to be freelancers. I think it's by the year 2040 or 2050, some of them say. So it's just going to keep getting more and more and more of a gig economy.
0: Well, I love that you're out there advising strong women on their next career moves. And Catherine, you've certainly inspired me throughout the years. And I wonder if you can share with everybody where they can find you and your awesome book on the internet. Well, my book
1: is on Amazon. And you can also visit my website to learn more about me and my book. And that's www.catherinesolman.com.
0: Well, Catherine, it's been a real pleasure to have you on Let's Fix Work. Thanks for joining us as a guest. Oh, thanks so much. It was fun. Yeah, and everybody sit tight. We'll be right back right after the break with more Let's Fix Work. 2019 is here and I know you're thinking about building a better life and a better career. If you've been curious about podcasting, I've got some information that can be helpful for you to connect with employees, build a business, improve your brand, make more money, or connect on a deeper level with potential clients. I want to encourage you to apply for Danny Osmond's podcast supercharger course. Who's Danny Osmond? Oh my God, this guy is a lifesaver. I have been through four podcast producers and Danny is helping me clean up, kick butt and take names with Let's Fix Work. He's super important to me. I've learned a ton about podcast production and I can't say enough about how great it's been to work with him and learn from him. If you are ready to give up the struggle and create an amazing podcast in the year ahead, then apply today for Danny's live podcast supercharger program. For six weeks from February through March 2019, he's working deeply with just a handful of students who are determined to start a podcast and finally see the results they know they deserve. To find out more about the Podcast Supercharger course and register, go to the Podcast Supercharger link in the show notes. Applications are being reviewed as they come in, and spots will fill on a first-come serve basis. So go create an amazing podcast, join Team Podcaster, and hang out with Danny and learn something new in 2019. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Katherine Solman. You can find a link to her book and website in the show notes. And I want to thank WorkHuman, our underwriter for today's show, for their support. Visit WorkHuman.com and learn more about their upcoming conference in Nashville. Let's Fix Work was recorded in my home office here in Raleigh and produced by Emerald City Productions. Danny Osmond makes the show great. And if you have some ideas on how to fix work, I want to hear it. So hit me up at hello at letsfixwork.com. Now that's all for today. And I hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you next time on Let's Fix Work.
1: If you're ready to make a real change in your workplace, start today by number one, subscribing to Let's Fix Work on the Apple Podcasts app or iTunes or Stitcher or Android or wherever you listen. Number two, write a five-star rating and review. And number three, share it with a friend, colleague, or coworker who you think would enjoy our episodes.